Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. Good to see you this morning. Are you happy? I'm telling you, it's good to be back in the pulpit, bringing the word of God. Hey, today we continue or finish, actually finish our sermon series at the movies. And today the series is on unfortunate events. How many has ever had some setbacks in life? All of us, amen. We all have had the unexpected turn and twist in this journey called life. The question is, is how do we handle these sudden changes, these setbacks, these events that happen? So the movie or the series that has been assigned to me today is a series called uh, Unfortunate Events, and it recounts the tragic tale of the Baudelaire orphans, Violent, Claus, and Sonny. And their extraordinary encounters with the devious Count Olaf, who will stop at nothing to get his hands on their inheritance. Violent, Claus, and Sonny are suddenly left as orphans when their parents are suddenly and tragically killed. And they're forced to rely upon each other as they are thrust into the care of a devious Count Olaf who really cares nothing about them but is determined to steal their inheritance. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? The enemy of your soul wants to steal your inheritance. There's an enemy that we face every day that's trying to steal our spiritual inheritance. Life is full of setbacks and sudden changes, twists and turns. Unexpected things happen. Things that we never dreamed of. The question is, is how do we face the storms of life? Did you know in the biblical narrative, in the word of God, it is filled with stories about men and women whose lives were characterized by the unexpected twists and turns. Think of the story of David. He's anointed king. And he kills Goliath, and you think now he's coming into his kingdom. But he spends the next 12 years running for his life as murderous Saul is trying to kill him. There's the twists and the turns of life that one never thought would happen. There's Joseph. He has a dream, and he shares it with his family, but his brothers become jealous, and they they sell him into slavery, and they tell his father he was killed, sold into Egyptian slavery. He comes into the house of Potiphar, only to rise in favor, and then Potiphar's wife lies about him, and he's thrown into prison, a twist and a turn, only to be forgotten. Often our life is filled with unexpected things. I think of Naomi and Ruth. Naomi and her husband, they leave Bethlehem in search of a land that's not affected by by the dreaded famine that is happening. 
only for the unexpected to happen. Her husband dies. And then not only her husband, but her two sons die. And then you see here Naomi and you see uh, Ruth and you see what happens in their life. Some things are just funny, church. Come on. It reminds me of John's gospel, what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. The New Living Translation says rich and satisfying. The King James says life and life more abundantly. See, Jesus set out the two kingdoms. The enemy, the thief, is trying to steal and kill everything in your life. He produces death, but the son produces life. And we're in that battle. We're in that fight. The apostle Peter, who understood this better than anyone else, In his first epistle, chapter 5, verse 8, he tells his readers, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And then Peter says, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. See, we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a fight. And the thief is trying to steal your joy, trying to steal your peace. He's trying to steal your inheritance. But how many know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? You received your notes when you came in. The first thing we're going to talk about is life can take unexpected turns. Under A, write this. Write the name Michael Packard. Does that ring a bell? Anybody know the name Michael Packard? If you know that name, raise your hand. If you don't know that name, raise your hand. There's a lot more of you that don't know the name. Well, the day was June the 21st, not 200 years ago, not 50 years ago, but one month ago, 2021. The headline read like this, a man swallowed by a well. Guess what his name was? Now, you're talking about an unexpected twist and turn. I'm not making this story up. To me, it just confirms the word of God. It just confirms the Bible is true. Let me read the article to you. A little before 8 a.m. on Friday, veteran lobster diver Michael Packard entered the water for his second dive of the day. His vessel, the J&J, was off Herring Cove Beach and surrounded by a fleet of boats catching striped bass. The water temperature was a balmy 60 degrees, and the visibility was about 20 feet. The article writes and says, licensed commercial lobster divers literally pluck lobsters off the sandy bottom. And as Packard, age 56, dove down Friday morning, he saw schools of sand lances and stripers swimming by. And the news article states this, In something truly biblical, Packard was swallowed whole by a humpback whale. It's true, church. 
All of a sudden, I felt this huge shove, and the next thing I knew, it was completely black, Packard recalled Friday afternoon. I could sense I was moving, and I could feel the whale squeezing with the muscles of his mouth. Packard initially thought he was inside the mouth of a great white shark, but he couldn't feel any teeth, and he hadn't suffered any obvious wounds. It quickly dawned on him that he had been swallowed by a whale. Now, you're talking about a bad day. (laughs) Let me tell you something else about Michael Packard. Search his name. Not right now. Get off the internet. Get off the internet. You're trying to see if I'm telling truth or not. Get off that internet and listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) Ten years prior... He survived a plane crash where the pilot and co-pilot was killed. I think there's some twists and turns that's trying to get his attention. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just, if your name is Michael Packard, give Jesus your life. <laughs> Repent, turn to God. He writes, I was completely inside. It was completely dark. I thought to myself, there's no way I'm getting out of here. I'm done. I'm dead. All I could think of was my boys of 12 and 15 years old. Outfitted with scuba gear, he struggled with the well and began shaking his head so that Packer could tell he didn't like it. He estimated he was in the well's mouth for 30 to 40 seconds before the well finally surfaced. 30 or 40 seconds that felt like eternity. I saw the light and he started throwing his head side to side. The next thing I knew, I was outside in the water. Now you may be thinking, well, this is just one man's story. I mean, anybody can make anything up. Well, there were eyewitnesses. Eyewitness and crew man, Josiah Mayo said, I saw the well burst to the surface and I initially thought it was a great white shark. There was all this action at the top of the water. Then the whale flung him back into the sea. Later this afternoon, watch the interview by 60 Minutes, Australia 60 Minutes. It's interesting. And he pictures him being thrown out of the whale's mouth, flung into the sea. Says Mayo then picked him up. He's on the boat. He picks him up, called by radio to shore, and sped back to the Provincetown Pier. Provincetown Fire Department ambulance took him to take Cape Cod Hospital. That's the unexpected. Lobster diver, trying to earn a living, suddenly swallowed by a well. Tell me God's word is not true. You're talking about twists, the unexpected turn, being swallowed by a whale is definitely unexpected. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about your life. Write this under, under one, under B1, fallen world. You live in a fallen world. Matthew records the words of Jesus when Jesus said, the father gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. We all walk through challenges. The sudden death of a loved one, the loss of a job, 
going through a pandemic, receiving the news of cancer, divorce, physical illness. All of us are subject to living in this falling world and the sudden changes that life brings. We know the enemy of our soul is trying to use these things to get us to question God, to get us to question our faith, and to steal our inheritance. However, it's not as much as what happens to you as to what happens in you. It's not so much as to what happens to you as how you allow what happens in you. Going back to our original passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, we realize that we are in a spiritual battle. That's why Peter said, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in the faith. And church, we must stand firm against the enemy. We must stand strong in our faith. Last week, Pastor Gay preached, and he, and he used this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing Firm. Did you get that? After the battle, you will still be standing firm. See, when you face the battle with the proper attire, when you face the battle with the right spiritual weapon and clothing, you'll still be standing at the end of the day. Can somebody give God praise? It's the goal of all of us to be standing when the battle's over. We live in a fallen world. We're in a spiritual battle. Guess what? Unexpected things happen because change is a part of life. There's constant flux. How are you going to handle the change? Most of us don't like change. We complain when there's change. They sing too loud. Too many lights, too much smoke. They complain when change happens. Things take place. Life is about change. Change happened in your generation. Guess what? Change is going to happen the next generation. And should the Lord tarry the next generation, there's going to be change. We live in a world where there's constant flux. There's constant change that is happening. But we don't like change. And you cannot talk about a man being swallowed by a well without talking about Jonah. Write that name, Jonah. Matter of fact, turn to the little Old Testament book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. 
get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked the people are. Announce my judgment against it. When you look at the life of Jonah, you see a prophet. Matter of fact, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus himself refers to Jonah the prophet. He gives credence to the life of Jonah, and he gives credence to the story of Jonah and the people of Nineveh. Now, when it comes to a prophet, one expects a prophet of God to hear and to listen and to obey the voice of God. But in this story, the unexpected happened. The twist is Jonah does the opposite. When you look at the life of Jonah, you see in verse 2, there's a call. Not only have a prophet, a man of God, but you have a call. The call was this, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. The specific call was Jonah, get up and go. But not only was there a call, there was also a word, there was a message. And the message was this, announce my judgment against it, against Nineveh. You say, well, what is the twist? Well, I see two twists here. First of all, Jonah... Jonah's reaction. He didn't react the way we thought a prophet would react. And another thing, another twist is, is God's mercy. Because when you think of judgment, you think of a word of judgment, you think of it happening now. But can I tell you something that's so true about biblical language and biblical truth? God always remembers mercy. Even when God speaks judgment, he does so to bring people to repentance. So you want to talk about judgment. The judgment is when the church of Jesus Christ is silent and we don't speak out and we don't talk about truth. The mercy is when we call sin, sin, and we speak truth because it gives opportunity for people to be saved, to turn from their sin, to repent and receive the salvation of God. You want judgment to take place in your friend's life who's living outside the will of God? Then never call them out. Never speak truth to them. Just let them live that lie. That's the judgment of God. That's judgment. So often we've allowed culture to redefine things. And culture has said you can't speak against things. You can't, you can't talk about biblical truth. You can't talk about sin. Can I tell you they're living right in the judgment of God? The mercy of God is when we do speak about it because it gives opportunity for people to be saved, to turn from. Don't allow the enemy to twist and turn things because what will happen is you'll sit there and be quiet, be silent. And the very thing you don't want to happen will happen. They'll die and experience the judgment. The mercy of God is when you speak out. The mercy of God is when you have enough boldness and courage and enough love to say, you're headed for disaster. Turn to God. Jonah was a prophet. He had a call. He had a word. But he didn't like it. Which brings us to our second point. When unexpected things happen, whether good or unfortunate, we have to learn to lean in. 
Jonah chapter 1 gives us the example of what not to do. Jonah ran. Don't run from God. Verse 2 says, God told him, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Jonah got up, but which way did he go? The opposite direction. You never want to be in opposition to God. When the unexpected happens, and it's going to happen because you live in a fallen world, because we're in a spiritual battle, and because there's constant change happening around us. Don't run from God. Run to God. Run to his word. Find comfort in his word. Find direction in the word of God. Look to the word. Now, there are four verses I want you to write down. There's more than four verses, but these are just four that I chose today that I felt the Lord wanted me to highlight. Look to the word of God. The first is John 10, verse 10, the second part of verse 10. My purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. Remember, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give life, life more abundantly. Bruce Barton writes, abundance of life points to depth of living now and length of living in eternity. It's not only life as good as it can be, but also life beyond what we can imagine. And he writes this, it is clearly not, however, a life that denies problems and pain. Rather, it is a life that faces them and makes use of them. See, the abundant life is not a life denying pain and sorrow and setbacks. No, it's embracing them and making the best use of them. Which brings us to a next verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Doesn't mean what happens to you is good, but it means you keep the right attitude, you keep the right heart. God's going to produce good. He's going to cause that circumstance to bow to you. He's going to cause that trial to serve his purposes. It won't defeat you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Another verse, I love this one, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts or the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. As you hear me, the plan that God has for you, the plans are good. They are plans for prosperous life, not for disaster. God's not against you. God is for you. God's on your side. Get this stuff out of your head that God is angry with you. God sent his son that you might have life and life more abundantly. He has a plan for you. It's to prosper you. It's to help you. I love this verse, Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Did you hear that? He's called you by name. You're his. 
when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. You might go through some deep waters. But he says, I will be there. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. I drop down to verse 13. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. Woo! No one can undo what I have done. God said, I'm going to bless you, and the devil can't undo it. God says, I'm going to help you, and your circumstances cannot deny it. They have to bow to the plan and purposes of God. No one can undo what God has planned for your life. Yes, change happens. Unfortunate things take place. You might be scuba diving, looking for lobster, and a whale comes and swallows you. I hope not, but it could happen. God's got a plan for you. You know what I think the story of Jonah is all about? God wants to deal with Jonah's stuff. God, who is sovereign, allowed the storm to come. Jonah was a prophet with an attitude. Jonah had a heart problem. You see it revealed in chapter 4. Where in verse 1 it says, this plan, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love, and you're eager to turn back from destroying people. Oh, me, oh, my. Such a terrible God. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if I, what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about all of this? But before we give Jonah too hard of a time, let's be honest. We believe in judgment until we're the ones needing mercy. Sometimes we're like, God, just kill them. God, just bring a lightning bolt and strike them dead. God, just let your fire fall down from heaven. They upset me, God. They've ruined my day. Lord, pay them back. Am I not being truthful? There was an attitude problem with Jonah. There was a heart problem with Jonah. God was dealing with his stuff. See, sometimes... It's not what happens to us, it's what happens in us. God wants to deal with your stuff. So we talked about leaning in. So let's wrap this up talking about, well, how? How, preacher, do you expect me to lean in when my world's been turned upside down? How do you expect me to lean in when I hear the doctor say, you got cancer? How do you expect me to lean in when my loved ones just passed away? 
I just lost my job. My bank account is empty and my bills are coming due. How do you expect me to lean in? I think this is important. Give Jesus full control. We know it intellectually. We say it intellectually, but we give him control until things are not happening like we want them to, and then we take the reins back as if God needs help. Give God full control. We like control. Surrender. Write this word, submit. Mm, It's a hard one. We like to talk about submission when we talk about marriage. (laughs) But let's talk about submission in everyday life. Let's talk about submission when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Learn to submit. James, the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, who didn't become a believer, a follower, until after the resurrection. Remember, his brothers were skeptical. They thought he was a lunatic. They thought he lost his mind. But after the resurrection, they saw him alive. And James writes this in his book, chapter 4, verse 7. Humble yourselves before God. Talking about somebody who had to learn to humble themselves. James, the half-brother of our Lord, had to learn to humble himself before God. And then he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Give God full control. Surrender. Submit. And it's a day-to-day process. You may do good today, this afternoon. But tomorrow's another day. You got to give him full control. Another thing is this believe in the goodness of God. I want to settle this. I want you to hear it. God is not against you, God is not out to get you, God is not angry with you. What you believe about God is so important. Jonah understood God was merciful, so he didn't like it. He knew if he wasn't breached, what was going to happen. He didn't like what the outcome was going to be. It upset him. He was more interested in judgment than he was mercy, but he knew the goodness of God. Some of us cannot settle the fundamental question that God is for me and not against me. We still struggle with this mindset that God is upset and angry and he must be punishing me for some kind of sin that I did when I was a child and I don't even remember, but these bad things are happening to me because I've been so horrible and I'm such a bad person. You see how the enemy does. How can God remember something that he's removed as far as the east is from the west? Wow. Come on, church. We keep calling up to remembrance the things that God has already forgiven. The blood has already washed away. The enemy's trying to use guilt against you. Realize the freedom you have in Christ Jesus and whom the Son makes free is free indeed. God is for you. God is on your side. God is fighting your battles. He's not against you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to get you to the next season. He's trying to get you to the next level. God's doing something great in you. Believe in the goodness of God. That God is with you. He's producing good in you. And that God is for you. Musicians, will you come? Romans 8, 31. 
What shall we say then to such wonderful things as these? If God be for us, who can ever be against us? God is for me. Who is he that can be against me? The last fill in the blank is this. How do you lean in? When there's twists and turns, the unexpected happens. Give God your yes. Give him your yes today. Give him your yes tomorrow. Give him your yes the next day. You say, well, pastor, when things unexpected happen, give him your yes. Say yes. He's a loving, compassionate, merciful. Hear Jonah, compassionate, merciful, forgiving God who desires to give God people mercy and not judgment. Hear the words of Jonah. Give God your yes. Don't run. If I could do a personal interview with Michael Packard, my question would be to him after he told his story. My next question would be, what are you waiting on? God's got a purpose and a plan for you. Will you give Jesus your yes? You know, if I could sit down with each of you and you tell me your stories and you tell me the twists and turns, you tell me what you've walked through. What I would like to ask you is are you giving Jesus your yes? Are you saying, here I am? Yes, Lord. I will be an instrument used of you. I'll be a vessel that you can fill. Don't run from God. Run to his word. Find comfort, find direction in the word of God. Let's stand together. Just for a moment, will you bow your heads, close your eyes. Today, I'm gonna ask you to give your yes. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you like Jonah, you upset. Maybe you understand the character of God you really want God to do and act some other way you've been angry and you're running from him you cannot outrun God you can't flee from his presence it's kind of like Jesus the Holy Spirit saying to Saul of Tarsus why are you kicking against the pricks why you're persecuting me why are you doing it to no avail God's got a purpose and plan for you. Don't run. Give him your yes. You're here today and say, Pastor, I want to give Jesus my yes. I'm tired of running from God. I'm tired of doing my thing. I want to give him my yes. If that's you, just lift your hand right now. Just lift your hand. I see that hand in the back. God loves you. I see that hand right there. God loves you. Hey, your yes begins with just simple surrender. Now, maybe you've been in fellowship with God. Maybe, maybe you know you're a believer. You understand that you are a child of God, but there's some things you're struggling with. And just like God was dealing with Jonah's stuff, you realize God is going to deal with your stuff today. 
Will you say yes to allowing him to work and move in your life? If that's you, just say yes to Jesus. Say he can deal with my stuff right now. He can just work and move in my life right now. He can deal with my, my, my attitude. He can deal with my heart right now in the name of Jesus. Church, I don't know about you, but we need to lean in to what God is doing. GT Worship is going to lead us. I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are and come down front. Maybe you're a little too uncomfortable because it's too, too many people. Step out from where you are. Get into the back. Respond to God. Will you come now? As we lean into the activity of God, we lean into what the Lord is going to do. Lean into what God is going to do in your life. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. You are good. Yes, Jesus. Yes. surrender. God, we lean into the activity of God. We lean into what you are doing this moment, this day. God, deal with our stuff. Deal with our attitude. Deal with our wrong conceptions. Deal with our own perceptions, God. Help us, Lord, to lean into what you are doing. You are for us and not against us. You are working on our behalf, God. Even when we cannot see it, even when we cannot feel it, you're working and you're moving, God. Lord, you are good. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, God, take our yes. Use us in Christ's name.